0: So to begin, uh, I want to share with you a couple comments made by children that were overheard in worship services. First one, after the dedication of his baby brother in church, Jason sobbed as his family sat in the pew together. His father asked him three times what was wrong, and finally the boy replied, Daddy, that preacher said he wanted us brought up in a Christian home, but I want to stay with you and Mom. (laughs) One mom says this, she'd been teaching her three-year-old daughter, Caitlin, the Lord's Prayer for several evenings at bedtime, and she would repeat it uh, perfectly. So she finally got the opportunity to say the Lord's Prayer in church, and the mom says, I listened with pride as she carefully enunciated each word right up to the end of the prayer. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from email. That little girl's not that far off, actually, uh, on that. So she's pretty close. Last one. A Sunday school teacher asked her children, as they were on the way to a church service, children, why is it necessary to to be quiet when we go in that room? And one little girl said, because everybody's sleeping. (laughs) So those are those are funny examples, right, of misunderstanding church, why we gather, and what we do when we gather. But like kids, if I had to guess, we're probably not all on the same page regarding what church is, why we gather, where we gather, what we do when we gather. Probably across the board on that. And so I'm grateful to be... Uh, be here this morning with you, that we can see what God's word has to say about that. So I want to invite you to turn to Acts chapter 2, verse 42. Acts chapter 2, verse 42. This gives us a description of the early church and what they did when they gathered, who they were, where they met. If you don't have a Bible, we have black Bibles in the seat back in front of you, I'd encourage you to take one of those and follow along with us. If you don't have a Bible of your own, take that home with you. We want everybody to have a copy of God's Word, especially to start the new year. And as you're finding that, I've invited one of my friends named Tyler to come to the stage, and he's going to read our scripture for us this morning. So you can follow along in your Bibles, or you can just listen to the words of the Lord read by Tyler.
1: And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved.
0: Thanks, Tyler. Appreciate that, man. So we have a description here of the early church, not a prescription of what we should do, but a description of what they did that can help inform us as we make our decisions. So the first thing we need to know is who were these people? And what we see is these verses are talking about followers of Jesus. This was the early church. They numbered about 3,000 in that text this morning. What we need to know, friends, in the New Testament, every single time the word church is used, it is the Greek word ekklesia. So kids, on the count of three, you're going to learn a Greek word today. It's ekklesia. One, two, three, say it with me. Ekklesia. Fantastic. Every single time the word church is used, it's ecclesia, and it never means a building or a location. It always, 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 always means an assembly or a gathered people. It always means that. It's always a people. So, one example for you to show you that Jesus even used this in Matthew 16, verse 18, Jesus said, And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades, of hell, will not overcome it. Kids, I'm going to give you one guess what word Jesus used when he said, I will build my church. I will build my ecclesia, I'll build my people. I'll build my assembled ones. I'll build my gathering. I will build my people. So when we read the word church in the New Testament, when you sit down and start reading the Bible in 2017, every time you see the word church, maybe you want to circle it and write people. It's a people. And that includes us here today. And so if you're following in your notes, the church, ecclesia, is God's gathered people who met and meet in the temple and in their homes. They met in a large group, and they met in their homes. And I want us to pay particular attention today to verse 46. Let's read that together in the first gray box on our notes. It says, Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. And so in this description of gathered people, we see that there's two particular places they met frequently. It was in the temple, corporately, and in their homes. And what we're going to do for the remainder of our time together, we're going to look at the priorities of gathering, whether it was in the temple or in their homes, we're going to look at the priorities they had, and then some practices that could help us as we begin the year. And let me say this up front, I think there's something here today for everybody, I think God has a word for us all. If this is your church home, we want to cast a vision for you of how we can grow to be hungry, humble, and hospitable followers of Jesus. If you're a guest here, I'm excited to share with you what you can expect when you're here on Sunday mornings and what we pray happens in your home throughout the year. So I believe there's something for us all. As we get going, we're going to have you follow along in your Bibles. Verse 42 begins with the words, they devoted themselves to. They devoted themselves to. But a better translation of this would be they were continually devoting themselves to. The original language is that verb tense and it denotes a a single-minded, steadfast devotion to a certain course of action. It was an ongoing thing that they devoted themselves to. It wasn't a one and done It was ongoing, and they were devoted to gathering. And when they gathered, wherever they gathered, I want to share with you four priorities that they had. I think there were probably more that didn't get written, but these are the four that surface in this text. Number one, if you're following on your notes, the priority they devoted themselves to was the Word. It was the Word. And the Word taught them how to become more like Jesus, In verse 42, it says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. If you remember, there were 12 apostles that followed Jesus and they passed on to these new Jewish believers the life and teaching of Jesus. It's what we would call our Gospels today. In addition, they also helped these Jewish believers see the Old Testament through new eyes and that every story would point to a Messiah whose name was Jesus, who had just died on a cross and risen from the dead. So I find it interesting that some of the first followers of Jesus were recognized, they're described. This is fascinating to me. They were described as followers of the way. Followers of the way. They were identified by the way they were living like Jesus man it w- it would be an honor if somebody at some point in my life said, "Oh, that's a follower of the way." Because he lives like Jesus. What a high High calling that was. And so I'm grateful to be a part of a church that loves God's word, that brings a copy of God's word on Sundays, that are first handers of God's word at home. You allow God's word to go beyond information to transformation. And what I want to encourage all of you here to do this morning is to be in God's word each day in 2017. We do this every year. We want you to be a first hander, and I've written about this in the bulletin column this morning. Find a plan, be intentional, schedule a time. We don't drift into growing more like Jesus. It's an intentional act and being in God's word has to be one of the priorities. And next week we'll resume our series in the Gospel of Luke if you've been with us any amount of time. We've been in Luke and we've been spending time with Jesus to learn from Jesus how to be like Jesus and live the way of Jesus. The word is our priority. It was in Acts 2, it is for us. The second priority, if you're following in your notes, if you come and join us on Sunday mornings, and what we hope for in your homes is the priority of prayer to declare our dependence on God, to adore Him, to praise Him, to confess our sins, to receive forgiveness, to thank Him for who He is and what He's done, to pray for others. It's not unusual. I I love seeing people all across this building, whether it's in the hallways or in in the offices down front. If there's something that needs prayer for, we see all the time somebody say, can I just pray for you right now? I love that. We wanna be a people of prayer where we gather and it's a priority for us. So you'll see that prayer was a priority in the church in Acts 2. It's a priority for us. Number three, Priority was fellowship. Fellowship. To love one another. To love one another. It's it's the word koinonia in the Greek New Testament, and it's not just a sentimental feeling of oneness. It's not punching cookies. It's not getting together for dinner. It's not saying, like, come over, we're going to have some sweet fellowship tonight. We're going to watch the football game. That's not fellowship. It's friendship, and it's great, but it's not fellowship. Fellowship if you want to write this out to the side uh, There's a core word in it and it's common The the word is common There's a commonness or a commonality to it and, And it means it's a gathered people with one thing in common That are pursuing how to become more like Christ We have one common bond We have so many different things going on in our lives. We have so many differences. We're not alike, but one thing we do have alike is that we want to follow Jesus and become more like him. Fellowship is why they gathered. It was a time when they gathered to build each other up, to challenge one another, strengthen one another, hold each other accountable. I love what Tim Keller says. He's a pastor in New York City. He says this, these people could not get enough of each other. These people were always gathering. They gathered every day. Regular life was seen as an interruption. They couldn't be kept apart. That's the reason why the word together, listen to this, that's the reason why the word together is not so much something they did, it was something they were. They were together for a common purpose. But what we encounter today is a philosophy that we can love Jesus, but we don't necessarily have to love his people or love the church. And that's just a a wrong assumption. Jesus is very clear in all the gospels. If you love God, you will love others and you will love his people. And the church isn't a building. So your problem isn't with a building. It would be with a people. And we want to be a people who are loving God and loving others And gathering allows us to do that, to come together with a common bond of fellowship. It's a priority for them. We want it to be a priority for us. The fourth thing, priority, number four, it's worship. It's worship. It's to exalt God. That's why we gather. They worship through the breaking of bread. We can read that. And then you get a little bit farther down in 45 or 46, and you see them praising God. I'm going to say that they did this through song. We see a lot of songs of the early church recorded in Paul's letters. So they sang together. It's called a worship service because we gather here to praise God, to exalt him, to ascribe worth to him. The word worship comes from the old Latin word. I love this, worth-ship. I actually wish we still called this a worth service. I mean, that's a tongue twister, but I wish we called it a worship service because we gather to ascribe worth to God. So those are the fourth priorities that we see in Acts 2, and they're what you'll experience here, we pray. The word, fellowship, prayer, worship. And so this list I said before, it's not definitive. There were probably more priorities, but it gives us a good description and a starting point of where we wanna be. And now I want to wrap up by talking about the importance of gathering in the temple, some practices that can help us in 2017 become more like Christ. And then I'm going to invite Chuck up to join me in talking about our homes and what it looks like to gather in homes. So practicing this temple gathering. I've just got to say this first and foremost, and it's going to come up again and again in the next few minutes. Friends, I am convinced we have a dangerous temptation to forget how huge this is that we get to gather on Sundays. We we have a dangerous tendency to let what we are doing in this room become routine and lose sight of the fact that week after week as we gather, we're doing something that's so different and so distinct than anything else we do all week long. We have the privilege as the people of God to assemble together together to meet with God. We have brothers and sisters all over this globe who don't get to do what we get to do. They meet at night under the cover of darkness for fear of death and persecution, and we get to gather here freely as an assembled people to meet with God. Let us never, never make that routine. It is so distinct And so if we see this gathering as a privilege, if we see it as a meeting with the God of the universe, then I believe there's four practices that can help us this year as we become more hungry, humble, and hospitable. Number one, this is fairly obvious, but if you're following in your notes, choose to gather on Sunday morning. Choose to gather. We live in a time where most of the culture does not recognize the need to gather together with others to worship. Even followers of Jesus struggle to make it a priority to gather on Sundays. We see attendance, even for mature Christians, at two, maybe three times a month. This isn't a new phenomenon. The the author of Hebrews wrote to a group, group of people who were experiencing this too. You can see this on the screen. The author of Hebrews wrote, "...and let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing." but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Friends, never let gathering here become routine and lose sight that week after week as we gather here, we're doing something so powerful, so different than we do all week long that this is a time, again, where we have the privilege as the people of God to assemble together to meet with God. One of my friends is a pastor in California, his name's Caleb, and he wrote a letter to his church about the importance of gathering. He wrote it to parents. So if you're a a parent in the room, please particularly pay attention to this. But even if you're not a parent, you're out of that stage, you're not in that stage yet, I think it has something for all of us. He says, Christian parents, can I talk to you for a second? I understand that not all of us will be able to be in church every single weekend, but when we systematically and unintentionally prioritize other things like putting our kids in programs and events and sports over our kids' involvement in church, we're teaching them three things. One, that church is not that relevant. Two, that life can be done without church. And three, that it's okay to be casual with church. Please don't ever do that. If you are, please pray about it because I know you probably don't mean to be. Jesus Christ died on the cross, not just for your salvation, but also for the salvation of all believers. Jesus died for the church. Please don't unintentionally teach your kids that church is irrelevant. Jesus didn't die for an irrelevant gathering of people. Keep your kids connected. Even if you have to miss some events, their relationship with God and his church is more important than the next event. It's so worth it. And trust that God will handle whatever appointments or sporting events are missed. You might be surprised. I've always found that God comes through when I choose to do the right thing. Love you all. Choose to make Sunday morning a priority. The only thing that will matter, friends, in 100 years is your relationship with Jesus Christ and your kids' relationship with Jesus Christ and your friends' relationship with Jesus Christ. Sports aren't gonna matter. Experiences aren't gonna matter. Your relationship with Jesus is it. Don't prioritize other things over gathering. Please don't. Please don't. Number two, practice for the new year. Prepare to gather Prepare to gather. Prepare to meet with God. For my family, what this looks like is preparing the night before. We lay out the clothes the night before because we've had fights on Sunday mornings about clothes. We put Bibles out on the counter the night before because we forget our Bibles. We pray that we will sleep well and it will be a smooth morning because we've had plenty of not smooth mornings. But how can we intentionally begin to think, okay, this is important to me. This is a privilege to gather. How can I prepare for it? I mean, have you ever recognized like tons of fights happen on Saturday nights and Sunday mornings? I I don't think that that's a coincidence. I think we are fighting an enemy who wants to do everything he can to keep us from getting here on time or at all. And so how can we intentionally put on the armor of God to fight against these attacks? How can we pray together? How can we listen to praise music to fill our minds with what is righteous and true and pure and holy? Prepare to gather. Number three, practice for the new year. Come ready to participate. Come ready to participate. Throughout the stories of God's people gathering in the Bible, we see they were participants, not just spectators. Robert Weber, one of the leading writers on worship, wrote a book that sums this all up. He said, worship is a verb. He says, worship is always a verb. It's something you do. It's not something you watch. Worship is not something you attend like a movie or a concert. It's not something you enter into with all your might. Worship is a participation sport in a spectator culture. Worshiping God is something no one else can do for you. Only you can give God your worship. And so this is important. So if you're a follower of Jesus here, just lean into this for just a minute. Uh, This is really important for us to get as well. Sitting next to you on any given Sunday is a guest or a non-believer, and they're essentially sizing everything up by what they see. Not just what happens on the platform, but what happens around them. So during times of singing, do you sing or do you just sit in silence? Do you talk with the person next to you? Do you spend time texting? Do you engage or do you check out? What message are we sending to guests who are checking this thing out of following Jesus? And there's so many caveats here, right? There are some Sundays where I show up and I I can't sing. There's so much junk going on in my life. All I can do is stand there and look at the cross and thank God for his mercy. So I'm not talking about once in a while. I'm talking about, is it a habit that you just don't engage? Because we wanna be participants, not just spectators. And I didn't say this at 9.30, but let me say it here. And I, I think Chuck would say a hearty amen to this. When you participate, our gatherings are better. They're just better. It's great when we participate. Number four, practice in 2017 that can help us become more like Christ. If you're following on your notes, come on time and stay to the end. Come on time and stay to the end. And I wanna encourage you as gently but as seriously as I can to be here earlier on time. It is not uncommon for this room, especially in this service, to be about half as full as it is right now when the service starts. Listen, we can go to ball games and special events, and we can get there on time or early, but we take a more casual approach to gathering here. But we remember this is anything but casual. We are gathering with God's people to meet with the God of the universe. It's a privilege, and we want to take being part of the entire gathering seriously. And I want to be careful here and full of grace because I understand there are just some rough mornings where you're doing everything you can to walk in the door. I understand that. I live that. So I want to have grace here. Sometimes it's our fault as a church that it takes longer to check your child in or to pick them up and that causes you to be late. But I want you to consider again the reality that it may very well be our enemy our adversary who's trying to throw everything he can at us to get us here late. Chuck and his team do an amazing job of prayerfully and strategically planning services to help us meet with God from beginning to end. And many times it's something in the first five minutes of the service that the Lord wants to say to me, And I don't know if you've noticed this, but almost every Sunday after the message, we give you the gift of a few minutes of silence to process what you just heard and allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you. And I believe that many times God wants to speak specifically to us after the message about what our response might be. And that might be through quiet or a closing song. And by leaving early, to get out of here early, to get to lunch quicker, to be first in line to pick up your kids, leaving this room early, you miss what God wants to say to you. If this is so significant that we gather as an assembled people to meet with the God of the universe, then I want to pay attention from beginning to end of what he's doing. And if we want to do this, we'll grow in Christ in 2017. So I want to share with you a picture of what I used to think, and then we're going to talk about the home for just a few minutes. I know the kids are getting antsy. We're getting there. We're almost done, kids. And then we're going to sing one more song. And we'll, we'll be done. This is how I used to think. And, and I, I think this is because I work at a church. Um, but this was just my paradigm. So I would say, hey, what happens at church impacts what happens in the home. We, we feed people and we set the table and then you go home and you can apply it. And th- that's just the, the one direction it went. Church helps the home. And what I've come to believe in the last months or year, and remember when I say church, I mean a gathered people, not just this room, but I do mean Sunday mornings. I think this is true, right? We do give you something to learn and think about and apply, and then it's your job to apply it in the home. But what if that's insufficient? What if what happens at church impacts what happens in the home? But what if what happens in the home impacts what happens on Sunday mornings what if our church is a different place because of what you spend time doing throughout the week with your family or your small group and I'm convinced it's not just a one-way street anymore it's a circle that church impacts our home and home impacts our church maybe even in a greater way than church impacts the home and so with that in mind, just let's start playing with that new paradigm. Let's keep a, an imagination for that paradigm. And with that in mind, I, I want to invite Chuck up. And we're going to talk for just a few minutes about what this might look like in the home. I think this is where the rubber meets the road uh, for a lot of us. Because we can get the gathering idea, the, the temple idea. But home's a little tricky. And so, Chuck, you, you've been on this journey um, for a couple years now, you've been in school, one of your mentors, and, and on the back of your notes, you you start diving into this um, idea that we just talked about, right? It's not just church impacting home, but it's home impacting church. So talk about those three spaces. Just name them for us and, and what they mean to get that on the table.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And uh, it's just a privilege to be here. I love the church. Uh, and um, so it's just a privilege to be talking about this. I get excited about it. Um, but three terms that have helped us, and we've gone over this in some groups that I've been a part of with our worship team. And there's more, more terms than this, but these terms, prayer closet, home, and temple, uh, have been, it's been really helpful to consider these and even to evaluate, hey, how am I doing in the temple? The, the large gathering. How am I doing in the home? Am I strong in the prayer closet? And I would define each of these as, we've already talked about the temple, which is the large gathering. Uh, the, the home I would define as either your immediate family, maybe you have younger kids in the house, or your immediate church family, which I would define as a small group or a life group, something like that. I like to think of that as immediate church family.
0: And then the prayer closet would just be your individual time with God. And, and it's not like you just pull these out of the thin air. I mean, we see Jesus in these three spaces.
1: Absolutely, and whenever I'm thinking about anything, I want to go to Jesus first. I want to see, hey, he's the one that brings life to the full. The Father sent him, and he came to live life to the full, so let's look and see how he did it. And we see Jesus with his Father, we see Jesus with the Twelve, and then we see Jesus with the crowds and uh, in the synagogue.
0: But usually what happens is we like one of these spaces more than another. And I just know for me, right, like I'm a doer and an achiever and like, let's get this done. And so for me, a prayer clause, it's like, ugh, that's hard. Yeah. It's hard. And so I could come up with some excuses. I want, I want you to share the three common responses we feel some, we get sometimes yeah, when sure. it comes to liking one more than another. We,
1: we, it's funny you mentioned that because we met as a, as a worship group over the summer and we talked about this and where do you feel you're strong and you're weak? And it was fascinating. But yeah, we have people that will uh, say, hey, we're, we're all about the large gathering. There's churches like this, you know, and we can fall into this where we're, we're leveraging all of our energy, our resources, our time towards the large gathering. It's, it's how we disciple. It's how we do evangelism. It's how we do our teaching. It's how we do our growth strategy. It's all of our eggs in the Sunday morning basket. And then you've got the crowd on the other side who says, we just hate how the church has become all about Sunday morning, right? Uh, nothing good can come out of that. So we're going to meet in the home only. We're going to cap our numbers at 12. That's going to be it. And then you have this third group that I think kind of says, hey, you know, I'm good by myself in my prayer closet and I don't need anyone else, and I love all these spaces, and of course, there's more spaces than this as well. Jesus met with the three, and Jesus uh, was with the 72, so there's more spaces, but I think all these spaces are necessary, and my conviction is that God is working in each of these spaces, and he wants to do a work in and through his people.
0: Yeah. So I mentioned you've been on this journey of of discovering how important the home is. And so can you build on that imagination that that we just kind of put up there, this new paradigm of it's not just church with a one-way street to home, but it's this circle that out of the overflow of the home the church is better. Absolutely. I, I, and I love that. And I feel like I, I've become
1: more and more convicted of that circle over there. And at the top of your message notes, I've drawn that I, I feel like worship in the temple comes out of the overflow of worship in the home. And then I feel like worship in the home right. comes out of the overflow of worship in the prayer closet. And I, this seems to be a principle in scripture. Don't you think? Uh, Jesus is always talking about cleansing us from the inside out. And I don't know about you, but I'm drawn to be cleansed from the outside in. And he says in Matthew 23, 26, first clean the inside of the cup and the plate, and then that the also, outside will also maybe clean. But I'm prone, I don't know if you are, I'm prone to to get in this thing of going to the temple, yeah. and then it, it kind of fades off. And then I find myself in the temple, a large gathering the next week, thinking, gosh, I, have, I haven't sung since I was... In the temple last Sunday and I, and I haven't right. been, been in the word and I haven't been in prayer. So yeah, I, I love this idea. And I would go further to say, uh, that, I wouldn't attempt something, and there, there's caveats to this too, but I wouldn't attempt something in the home that I haven't first practiced in the prayer closet, and I wouldn't attempt something in the temple that I haven't practiced in the home. And I guess what I mean by that is when I first went to church, singing was a bit different for me. I'd never done anything like that. I was in college, and doing this, engaging in this activity, it was, it was not normal. Um, I can learn to do that with God's people in this space, but I think it's a safe place sometimes to learn in the prayer closet to lift a song to the Lord and then to learn to do that amongst my family in my home a mentor of mine told me you have no business leading and this is for me as a worship leader you have no business leading a crowd like this until you can first lead yourself mm. yeah. and then you can lead your family and I think we as a royal priesthood are all priesthood of believers and yeah. we're all leaders uh, and disciples so
0: yeah, yeah I think it's the same for us so let me get specific here because some people might be sitting here and they're like okay I get it yeah that home yeah prayer closet um but how and, and so what I want to say to everybody too is you won't see the words prayer closet listed in Acts 2, 42 to 47, but, but what I'm, the assumption I'm going on here is the early church did what Jesus taught them and that they modeled what they saw Jesus do. And so they saw him go away to be with the father. They saw him spend time alone Even in the midst of busyness So that's where this is coming from and, and I want to start with this prayer closet And this first practice at home If we're going to make the priority temple and home How do we do that? We saw priorities, right? For the, the large gathering like word and um, worship and fellowship prayer What are some practices and priorities for prayer closet?
1: Absolutely, um we see Jesus doing this all over, don't we? Um, we see him with his father, and I've listed a whole bunch of scriptures there on the back of your notes. But in Luke two forty nine, when his parents are looking for him, he says, "Wouldn't you know? I'd be about my father's business, and I'd be with my father." And we see the scriptures telling us he went away to a mountain uh, to pray. He went away to a desolate place. I love in uh, in Luke nine twenty eight. It talks about him taking the three with him up to a mountain. I, I picture him having gone to that mountain many times before by himself. you know what I mean? I don't think he led anybody to a place he hadn't first been himself. And so the prayer closet for me is based off of Jesus had a need to do this. Surely I've got a need to do this. For me, and it might look different for you, for me it looks like in the morning I want to get up and I, and I light a candle. Uh, the candle reminds me that Jesus Christ is the light of the world, that he's Emmanuel, God with us. Uh, I start my morning with music. I have a morning prayer playlist on Spotify. Music helps me uh, to, to get into a place where I can focus on the Lord. Um, for the word of God, I was going through the common book of prayer this past year. That's what I used. A journal. I just highly recommend a journal. I had a mentor say to me, if you're expectant that the Lord will speak, and I am. I don't know if you are. He's speaking right now. I think he speaks in the home. He speaks in the But If you're expectant that he will speak, would you not show up with a piece of paper and a pen to jot something down. And I thought, man, that's, that is so true. And I used that then to go back and to pray. Pray the words that he's spoken to me. He's asking me to do something. I pray about that. The, the last thing I'd add in prayer closet is song. Um, I encourage you to sing in the prayer closet. And I, I encourage you to lift a chorus, even a cappella. Uh, I'll do this sometimes just by considering the work of his hands. And we can do this even together here. I just consider what he's done. Um, consider all he's made, consider the blessings he's given to us, Uh, his grace and his mercies. And I just lift a chorus. Then sings my soul, my Savior God to thee. Would you join me? How great thou art, how great thou art. Then sings my soul, my save your to thee how great thou art how great thou art. There's something that happens in a room when that takes place. There's something that he teaches us through lifting our voice that he can't teach us through the word or through prayer and it's amazing and it blows me away every time but it's that's something so simple yeah, that we can do.
0: And I love those practices. I, I, it's so fascinating that priorities are still the same, right? Word and prayer and worship through song and fellowship with the Father. I mean, that's happening. Yeah. So let's talk about the home, right? And so we're gonna talk about two different things, like your immediate family, Mm -hmm. and for some it might mean a spouse, for some it might mean grandkids, for some it might mean uh, kids. And then we're gonna move uh, back and forth between like small group, Mm -hmm. too. So talk to me a a little bit about the home. Can you get specific about those practices?
1: Yeah, yeah. I guess off the bat, uh, and don't leave me up here alone, but the the home is messy, isn't it? (laughs) The home is messy, uh, the home is organic, the home is real, and there's something exciting and beautiful.
0: So what you're saying that. is your children don't sit here and say, hey, Dad, would you teach me the Word of God? Do yours do that? I want to sing. <laughs> I want to sing tonight. Can I pray for you? They doesn't happen. That doesn't, in happen. That doesn't happen in your house.
1: <laughs> Look. One more, one more peep out of you, you're missing this song. And they're like, fine, I'm out of here, you know?
0: Yeah, I've, <laughs> actually, I've actually found that. I've actually found that if you say, hey, if you do that again, we're not doing this anymore, they're doing it again, so they don't have to do it anymore. Yeah, it's like one of my uh, pastors that I listened to down in Texas, his name's Matt Chandler, and he said his prayer before he leads his family in any time of devotion is that he would not call the wrath of God down on his children. <laughs> It's hard, it's, so it's hard, man. And it, and it moves you to not want to participate in it because I'm yes. looking
1: for an outcome. Yeah. I'm looking for if yes. it happens this way, then I've succeeded. But yeah. what I'm learning from the Lord is it's not about perfection, it's about Christ. Yeah. And it's about being with him yeah. Yeah. and about being with each other. And so if I've been with my yeah. family and with Christ, uh, something's going to be better than if I'm not. Yeah,
0: and, and so one, one more comment, and then I want to hear the practice part. But I asked Sarah that question too, Chuck. I was like, man, why do I get so frustrated with it, Sarah, that like, while we're doing this, my son is, is trying to like, melt the Advent candle with the lighter? Like, what, <laughs> what, what, what's going on Which here? Which is like, fun. <laughs> why, why do I get so frustrated at this? And she said these words. She said, um, because you are going for a response— And you have an expectation of a response you want to get instead of the fact that you're just keeping Christ in front of your kids. Instead of just making Christ more than just gathering in the temple, I I want a certain response. But if we can remember, it's just making him part of our lives. That's the most important thing. That's it, yeah. yeah. So what practices for you? What what do y'all do?
1: Gosh, I feel like you guys could probably teach me too, but I'll just share some of the things that have been really impactful for us. I mean, we we read out of a children's Bible. We read small portions. We've used the Jesus Storybook Bible. We've used the Jesus Action Bible. Um, I really like this book uh, by Sarah Young, Jesus Calling for Kids. Mm -hmm. It's been very powerful and and, and transformational in our family. There's a 365-day devotional you gave, but we're just reading small portions, and we're using whiteboards, and we're having fun and doing this kind of thing. Um, I would also uh, suggest preparing. So sometimes, if I know I'm using a, a devotional that, that for my kids, I'm going to read that in my time to see what the Lord wants to say. And I'm going to ask yeah. Him, Lord, what do, you, what do you have? What's the word for our family? What do you want? To, is it something out of my journal? Is it something out of this? But let me just read. Yeah, let me just read that. this. Uh, so this is December 19th, and we're just in the, the mess and the madness of prepping for Christmas, right? And it's, it's craziness. Um, and we're up in my, my son's room, I have three kids, and my nine-year-old, Addie, um, read the devotion. And so she, she read Matthew six thirty three: seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything you need. And then she read this, do not be overwhelmed by the clutter in your life. By clutter, I'm not just talking about all the stuff under your bed. I'm including those endless little chores that you need to do sometime, but not necessarily now. For instance, you told your friend you would download that song for her, and your bike tires really need airing up. All those little tasks will eat up as much time as you give them, so instead of trying to do everything at once, choose the chores that really need to be done today, and then let the rest of them slip to the back of your mind so that I can be in the front of it. (laughs) I'm telling you what she's reading this. And it's the spirit of the Lord speaking directly to my wife and I. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, we had a time after that we were able to say, wow, uh, that wouldn't have happened. And and we don't get that perfect every night, but when there's that opportunity, the Lord will speak. And you kept the word
0: in front of them. We did. Yeah. What does it look like in your small group? Yeah. Yeah. So uh,
1: our curriculum in our small group is always our lives. What's going on in our lives? What's going on in our lives? And, And we want to discern what's the Lord saying and what are you going to do? That's it. What's the Lord saying to you and what are you going to do? And so scripture for that is, is huge. It's, uh, is there a scripture that relates to what, what the Lord's asking you to do? So, so just this past week, we're driving back from my parents and we're preparing for our Thursday Life group and we're just going through some of the things that people have shared. And, uh, and, and one of the, the girls in our group, uh, had shared that the Lord, she felt like the Lord was impressing this upon her heart. I've given you everything you need for life and godliness. The next thing you know, we're looking up 2 Peter one three. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence. And to saying, when you start sharing scripture, It sharpens. It just has this ability to sharpen. And so that's how I'd say the word stays involved. What's the Lord saying to you? Can you share that with me? Because it's going to help me.
0: Yeah. I want to move to prayer in your family. And what I hope people notice here, Chuck, is like the reading of Jesus Calling might take place at bedtime. Something else might take place at breakfast. You can pray with your kids throughout. I mean, it's saturating the day with Jesus. It's not just, okay, these are my five minutes and this is my Sunday. It's how do we keep him in front of our family, yes. And so, prayer for you—you're you going to say it happens at different times, right?
1: Oh yeah, prayer happens
0: at all different times for
1: us. Um, of course, the, you know some of the obvious ones—the meals—and uh, but we're often thinking about our week, and I'm sure you guys do some of this too. Like, what, what's the week ahead? What are the difficulties? What are the things we can Amen. celebrate? Um, here, here's one that's been helpful for us recently: is we pray when it gets really, really hard. I'm talking about in the midst of tantrums mm-hmm. and breakdowns. Uh, just this past week. Um, all I could do was hold my my four-year-old and pray. Um, and you know, sometimes it gets there, but where else to turn, but the Lord of the universe in those situations, um, we want to circle up regularly and pray because we want our kids to to know that this is what we're about. You know, we're going to turn to him again and again. In 2017, one of the things that we want to do is create a map of our neighborhood and just start filling in the names we don't know. And, uh, then maybe start filling in some of the hopes and dreams that they have and the prayer requests that they have just a way to learn and then to pray over the neighborhood. So those are some ideas.
0: Yeah, and in your group, prayer is a priority as well, the life group that meets in your home.
1: Yes, yes, we talk about our life group be in a safe place. It's a safe place to learn and to fail. And so, yeah, if if singing in the temple is awkward, if praying sometimes out loud is awkward, what a better place to first learn in the prayer closet, but then in the home. So we have different people lead. We're not going to force anybody into that, but they know it's a safe place. Different people lead us in prayer. Um, We like to stop and pray on the spot, like you talked about. We like to use technology to keep track of that stuff. Uh, One of the things that's been really neat for us is, is birthday blessings. And so in our small group, we've got kids involved as well. So we take all the birthdays from that month. Uh, and on one night, we just speak words of encouragement and identity over if it's one yeah. of the kids or one of the adults, and, and we, we pray for them. That's been really powerful.
0: Yeah. yeah. Last couple comments here. What, what is the priority? Because we're, we're talking about song and, or word and prayers, worship, song. What does song look like with your family?
1: Yeah, um, it's, a, it's a lot of fun when, when we're, you know, when it's going well. <laughs> But, um, uh, yeah, it looks, we have songs that are our songs and I, I would encourage that, um. Lord, I need you is a chorus. We raise up often. Uh, Ten thousand reasons. Brady was just playing along on the drums. It's fun to get the kids involved. Mm-hmm. Uh, let them be involved, even if you know they're learning to play an instrument. If they yeah. can do that, it's fantastic. Uh, let them pick the song. Let them teach a song that they've been learning downstairs. So we did. We sang a song earlier this morning that, yeah. that the kids kind of taught us up here. Let them. Let them do that. Um, I would encourage using YouTube. You can use like Apple TV or a device like that to put YouTube up onto your TV or do something like that and you can sing along so you don't even have to lead uh you can have that lead and the kids can pick tons of songs there and you can create playlists and have that ready to go I I would highly encourage that that's been really helpful but just lifting lifting a chorus a cappella is helpful and then finally in your your small group yeah life group song in in our group this past summer uh, it was so great to have again different people lead and uh I don't think you've got to be a professional to do this. Right. I think it just takes a little bit of preparation. You can lead without any instruments, but we, we shared that and we just said, hey, you're responsible for the open 10, 10 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> and it was rich and powerful yeah. to have that. So, so we practiced. but I would encourage you in small group, take time to, to lift a song. Yeah. I think it's, it's, it's powerful and helpful.
0: So one more thing, cause there, there's, let's just be honest here. So we might be okay with reading the word. Yeah. Might be intimidating a little bit more to pray. Mm-hmm. And then you, you threw out the singing word and, yeah. and now you're just like stepping on our toes. You're yeah. like, are like in our business. <laughs> so there's, there's a lot of guys here particularly. Sure. That's just weird. Yeah. And it's hard. Yeah. And so what would you say to them, um, either in temple or in gathering, uh, in the home?
1: Yeah. I, I am, I don't know if you think, you look at me and you think, oh, he's a a vocalist, you know. Easy for him to say, you know, he can do that. And I don't don't think it's about being a vocalist or not. I think it's about vulnerability. I think that's the tough part. And it's just as vulnerable for me to get up in front of my family and lead them. In fact, it's way more vulnerable, Mm -hmm. way more for me to lead my family in my living room than it is to lead you guys on Sunday morning. And that's just the facts of it. Uh, so, uh, yeah, men especially. Man, could I challenge you in 2017? That would be my challenge. Would you lift your voice to the Lord in the prayer closet? And then would you be willing in some way to lead your family or lead yeah. a life group in song just to say, hey, this is a song that's been ministering yeah. to me. I want to pass this along. But yeah, parents, let's train up our kids to know that singing yeah. is commendable. I remember being in, in sixth, seventh grade and, and making a decision to go to choir. And it was like, oh, if I go to choir, oh no. And I was, right. I was into sports too. But the Lord says singing is, is important and he yeah. sings over us. And I picture Jesus singing. So yeah, that'd be my challenge. Yeah. yeah.
0: And so you hear about, I mean, these are things you can go home and implement in 2017 and you heard family, but if you don't have family, we we highly encourage you to get a a smaller group of people to do life with than in this large gathering. And so next week, Brian Wilmarth is going to be up here and he's going to talk all about life group connecting, getting involved in groups. I highly encourage you to do that. It's where you can practice some of, of these things as you grow in Christ. That's a, that's a great discipline to be part of next year. So, I thought as we, we end, before we sing a closing song together and then go out into the new year, could I just pray a prayer over you? A prayer of blessing is, uh, I want to pray straight from Ephesians chapter 1. And um, if you bow your heads with me, I, I want to pray this over you God, the glorious Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Would you give us spiritual wisdom and insight so that we might know you more and grow in the knowledge of you? I pray that our hearts will be flooded with light so that we can understand the confident hope you have given to those you have called, your holy people, who are your rich and glorious inheritance. I pray that we would understand the incredible greatness of your power for us who believe in you, I pray that we will sense this power at work in our lives, in our parenting, in our marriages, in our work, in our relationships, in our families, in our small groups, in our large gatherings. Would you allow us to recognize that this is the same power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at your right hand? Lord, may this resurrection power bring new life. May this resurrection power bring new life in this new year. God, we need you. Would you give us your resurrection power and new life this new year? It's in Jesus' strong and saving name. And all of God's people, the gathered people, the assembly, all said in one voice in agreement, everybody said, amen.